2 Samuel chapter 11, we, we talked about a very sad passage of scripture uh, where David sees this beautiful woman and she's bathing on the rooftop and uh, he calls her. She does not resist. Uh, some, some people want to claim that Bathsheba was raped. Uh, that is not the case. We see no restraint on Bathsheba's part. She allowed David. Uh, she slept with David just like David slept with her. And, uh, and <clears throat> she purified herself. When we looked at that, she went back and uh, later on she told David that she was pregnant. Um, during this time, uh, he called Uriah in from the war and uh, fighting Ammon, the Ammonites. And when he called him in from the war, they... Um, they, he tried to get his, his, this soldier, this, this soldier filled with integrity to go be with his wife. And he tried several different times. And the last thing in second Samuel chapter 11, verse 13, David even said, did this. He brought, he brought him into his house. He fed him. And then he said, I got him drunk. And he was trying to make him forget his integrity and go to his wife. And the last of that was, but he did not go down. Because the reason Uriah wouldn't go down, he said, who am I? That the Ark of the Covenant is in a tent and, and, and all my fellow soldiers, they're sleeping out in the field. Who am I to go sleep in a bed and sleep with my wife? When all these soldiers, they have wives, what makes me any better? I mean, the integrity that's flowing out of this man is pretty incredible. Then we're at, at verse 14 tonight. So in the morning... David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. So I imagine that once he found out that no matter what David did, Uriah was not going to sleep with Bathsheba. That would have been the, the great cover-up. It was Uriah's child. He slept with her. I'm off the hook. And he did not count on Uriah having so much integrity. So David stays up and he's going through his mind and he's trying to figure out how in the world he can make this go away. How can I hide this? And you know, the Bible's clear, whatever we try to hide, God's going to, you know, uncover. And so he writes this letter. And now remember in second Samuel chapter three, we have an incident against Joab and a man, a man named uh, Abner. All right. Abner mur murdered Ahasuerus, and then that was Joab's brother. And we see that uh, they, they, uh, when Abner was murdered by Joab, that David was furious. And the last thing we, the conversation we see between Joab and David, we know they had more, but but David was cursing Joab and his family. Because of killing Abner. Now, I just want you to think about the irony of this. David is extremely upset with Joab for murdering Abner. Now, David is writing a letter to the man that he was mad at for committing murder. And he's writing this letter. And it says, and he sent it by the hand of Uriah. Now, I don't know about you, but if you've ever been handed a letter. And you think, I wonder what's in it, right? Do you think Uriah, when he was going back to the battlefield, you think he was holding it up to the sun, turning it around, going, I wonder what's in this letter? Well, what if he'd have found out that he was carrying his death note with him? What if he had learned about it? You know what? I think this is me personally. I think once again, we see another level of integrity with Uriah. He didn't open the letter. He didn't look at the letter, even though that was his death sentence. 
this is what's happening. So by the way, just because David was so mad at that for Joab for killing, I can't believe you murdered. I can't believe you murdered. Never say never. Never say never. I'll never do that. Never say that. Never. Now, if you look at point number one, you're saying, Chris, I think you put the wrong point in the notes. Point number one says what? David murders Uriah in his home. And you're going, no, Chris, that's not how it happened. Those who's heard this story. But you know what? David did murder Uriah in his home. When he wrote that letter, Uriah was as good as dead. That's when David murdered Uriah before he ever got to the battlefield when he wrote that letter. Verse 15. He had written in the letter the following Station Uriah on the front of the field, uh, field crest of battle and pull back from him so that he may be struck and killed. All right. He's writing this out. He's writing his death letter. He's killing Uriah as Uriah is waiting on the letter to be written. And so this is his instruction to Joab. Station him on the front. All right. And so and he says so that he may be killed. David's not trying to sugarcoat this with Joab. He's making it very clear. Look, I know you murdered Abner, but I'm just going to go ahead and tell you I'm committing murder with Uriah. You know, can you imagine Joab reading this? And so he was murdered in his own house. Uriah was dead at that point. David committed murder before Uriah ever got to that battlefield. I want you to always remember this fact right here. Verse 16. So it was Joab that kept watch on the city when he stationed Uriah at the place where he knew where valiant men were. So Joab kept watch. Now here's the thing. When Can you imagine Joab's face? He gets this letter and he unseals it and he opens it up and he's reading what David wrote. Now can you, can you think, wow. wow. Uriah, what did you do? What did you do today? See, Joab was oblivious to all that had taken place. He's thinking, why Uriah? What did he do wrong? Now, the question that I had is, why would Joab follow these orders? Why would Joab follow the orders? If he knew that it was wrong, and if he knew that Uriah was a good man, a strong man, why would he follow the orders? I mean, have you ever been given an order that you questioned? Some of you that have bosses and, and you were given an order that you didn't agree with. You know, the Bible is very clear in Romans chapter 13. We are to obey up until a certain point where it goes against the God's word. Have you ever been told to do something that you go, nope, nope, I'm not doing it. You can fire me. You can discipline me, but I'm not doing it. I never forget. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to give the name. I wasn't given permission that there was a secretary uh, in, in the office and her boss, there would be certain people that would call and the boss would say, tell them I'm not here. Tell them I'm not here. And she said, I'll call you back. And she hung up the phone and she said, I'm not telling them you're not here. Now, if you want to step outside of the office, then step outside of the office and I'll tell them she stepped outside of the office. So when there was somebody who called that she didn't want to talk to, this lady would just point. The boss would step outside of the office and she would say she stepped outside of the office. But she said, I'm not going to lie for you. 
And there's been people that would, that would, you know, fudge on records or different. You can just do this or do this. And you go, nope, I'm not going to do it. So here's my question. What if your boss said, I need you to take care of this person tonight and murder them? You know, but this is what Joab is being asked to do. Would you marry, uh, would you murder Uriah? Why in the wor world would Joab agree to murder Uriah? Why would he do this? And I want to tell you, I only got one reason. I think Joab, as mean as this snake was, I think he was scared of David. I think he was more scared of David. And I want to tell you, because he was in, he was not in the good graces with David. He had already murdered Abner. And now he said no to this. He wasn't going to do it. I think Joab was scared of David and rightfully so. If he's already sending this letter to him, that he's going to be murdered. You know what? Joab now will be looking over his shoulder saying, David's getting ready to murder me. He probably already wants to kill me for what I did to uh, Abner. He's already cursed me and my family. I think Joab is scared of David and he would be doing, willing to do whatever David said, right or wrong. And so the Bible says he was placed with violent men. It, it's, it's the word strong. Now, why is it that there would be strong men at the front of the battlefield? It's because those are, were his best warriors. He didn't place weak warriors in the front because the, the, the armies would go through them before they got to the strong men. He says, you place them with the most, the fighting men, the most dangerous men that I have, you put Uriah with him. You know, I thought, I think this means that Uriah probably wasn't one of the strongest men. This probably means that Uriah wasn't one of the, the, the best fighters. But Uriah probably had the most integrity. And so he's not one of the best men. He's not one of the best fighters. And so but he said, put them up there with them. And the men of the city went out and fought against against Joab. And some of the people among David's servants fell. And Uriah the Hittite also died. Look at the word some. And the men of the city went out and fought against Joab and some of the people. Okay. Now, here's what I want you to understand. This is not just Joab's poor leadership. And that's exactly what it is. It's, it's poor leadership because Joab wouldn't stand up for Uriah. But it also, how many people did David murder? Not just one. David murdered multiple people right now. Have you ever thought about it that way? David just didn't murder Uriah. David murdered every one of those people that stood right there at that battle. And I'm going to explain how this is. Because number one, Joab would have never given this command to go and fight in the manner which he did. So he, so he murdered several people that day and Uriah died. Why did he die? Not only did some of the strong men die, but Uriah was surely to die because remember, he wasn't one of the strong men. He wasn't one of the men that you would call on and say, I need you in the front lines, Uriah. He was probably like a middle of the line guy, maybe even back of the line. He wasn't the strong guy. He could be called off the battlefield and everybody would be okay. But it was this integrity that was strong. But I want you to know that David murdered multiple people. In your Bible, the, the dreadful sin of David murders Uriah. David murdered several people in this story right here. Verses 18. Then Joab, 
sent a messenger and reported to David all the events of the war. You can bet your bottom dollar that Joab sent a messenger because I think he was scared of David and he wanted David to know quickly, I obeyed your command. This is an absolute low point in David's life because I want to say this. In, I can see David still so prideful. He thought, I've covered this up. Everywhere I had tried before to cover it up, I couldn't cover it up, but I have ultimately covered this up. This is one of the lowest points I see in David's life from all the way back to 1 Samuel when he was in the wilderness and he had reached the low point. And he, he, he had, um, was at the point of going to fight with the Philistines. This is the second lowest point in David's life. First lowest in this chapter, verse 19. And he ordered the messenger saying, when you had finished telling all the events of the war to the king. All right, so now, Joab is what we like to say, he was covering his backside. He said, now, li listen here, messenger. You better explain this exactly as I tell you to explain it. I want you to know that this was a terrible military move, all right? David knows this was a terrible military move. Joab would have never, ever sent these men into battle, and I'm going to prove that in just a little bit, the way that he did, and Joab's like, look, he grabs him. I'm telling you, you tell David exactly like I'm telling you. Because I don't need David mad at me again. I don't want to look over my shoulder for David to come after me. Do you listen to me? Do you hear me? I'm trying to tell you this is not about poor uh, military uh, leadership. This is about obeying an order. You see, Joab's trying to build this, this up where this messenger's like, Look, David, this is what Joab told me to tell you. I want you to understand this. Joab is saying, he's trying to get across to David, I secretly obeyed despite the way I obeyed it. And you're going to be mad at me, David, for the way that I obeyed it, but I obeyed what you, what you told me to do. Verse 20. Then it shall be that if the king's wrath, here we go, if David get angry at me, he's already angry at me, but if he gets angry at me and he says to you, why did you move against the city to fight? Did you not know that they would shoot from the wall? You see, Joab knew that this was a terrible decision. You see, he said, I know that, that King David's going to be mad. I know his anger. And I know he's already angry at me. But if he gets angry and if he says this, why in the world, Joab, did you move against that city? You see, Joab was doing whatever it took to get Uriah killed and all these other men that got killed in the process, David murdered them too. So the men that died that night and they fought, you know what I had to think? Did they not question the leadership of Joab? When he said, okay, guys, as by the way, the way it's, it's kind of written out is Joab's, Joab stands back Watches this army. Go get them. Can you see these strong men going? This is a, this is dumbest military decision that Joab's ever made. What are you talking about? Go get them. 
You can see these men in their mind going, we're getting ready to die. Why did you move against the city? Because the leadership told us to. So a lot of people know the poem of Lloyd, Alfred Lloyd Tennyson. Ford the Light Brigade was there a man dismayed. Not though the soldier knew someone had blundered. There's not to make reply. There's not to reason why. There's but to do and die. Into the valley of death rode the 600. Pretty much everybody in here has probably read that poem, heard that poem. But a lot of people don't know the background of that story. It was the British against the Russians. The British had 678 men. The Russians had 25,000 men. The Russians had stole some weapons from the Turks. And the 678 men, what they were commanded to do, they were commanded to go in and retrieve the weapons secretly and reposition them and to get out without being spotted. That was what they were supposed to do. But somebody up said they are to charge the Russians. Not having a clue about the, the number of Russians there were. And these men, 678, they rode, as Alfred Lord Tennyson said, they rode not questioning why. By the way, only 278 actually died after this poem was written. And he actually found out how many, why it bothered him, but they continued on with the poem. That's some history for you. I thought about this poem when I was reading. Here's Joab's men standing there. And the, the military reasoning behind this made no sense. And I thought about Ford the Light Brigade. Was there a man dismayed? Not though the soldier knew someone had blundered. Who blundered? <laughs> Joab blundered. There's not to make reply. There's not to reason why. There's not. But there's but to do and die. And to the valley of the Ammonites, they rode. And they charged this city wall. And he's sitting here saying. Joab said, now tell him this in verse 21. Who struck Abimelech? Did a woman not throw an upper millstone on the wall so that they died? Why did you move against the wall? Then you shall say your servant Uriah, the Hittite. Also died. See, what was happening was there had been a strategic meeting. In the book of Judges, chapter 9, 50 through 57, you can read that later. Do you remember the lady throwing the millstone over the wall of Abimelech dying because they got too close to the wall? And it was like, okay, everybody in Israel, let me tell us what we're not going to do. We're not going to drive so close to the wall that they're able to dump hot tar on us and to dump stones on us because it's a waste of lives. We're not going to get this close where the archers can just reach over and they can start killing us. We're not moving this. We've already learned this from past battles. We've already been defeated this way. We're not going to look ahead. And so this is what Joab did. He was covering himself with David. Because he knew David said, Joab, 
We've already had this conversation. I've already taught you. You don't run all the way to the wall because you're going to get killed. You're going to get my men killed. You know better than this. Don't you remember Judges chapter 9 with Abimelech? That's what he's referring to. He says, before he says all of that, servant, tell him Uriah died. Tell him Uriah died. This was his way of telling David without telling the messenger. Because the messenger was like, okay, okay, all right, got it. Uriah died, got it. Out of all the men who died, I thought about this. Why? Say Uriah. Did you think the messenger at any point thought, yeah, but Jojo died and Bubba died and such and such. Much stronger men than Uriah. Men that had fought with you, Joab, for a very long time. These guys died too. Do you want me to put down their name? No. Just write Uriah died. Okay? You listening to me? But... You make sure if you see David getting angry and getting upset about the way I led this military defeat, you make sure you tell him Uriah died. Verse 22, so the messenger departed and came and reported to David everything that Joab had sent him to tell. I just think that this messenger, he's running back, you know, running, running away from the battle. The men had pulled back. There's these strong men that had most likely many more years to live. By the way, when David killed all of these men, I want you to think about the mourning wives. I want you to think about the children that has no fathers. I want you to think about the extent of David's command and David's sin is not just about Uriah. How many men and women and families that it affected. And as, it's, and they, as they pulled back, Joab saw that. Do you think when Joab said charge, go into that city wall, do you think he cringed? Do you think he, there's something inside of him that said, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. Do you think there was something in Joab that says, if I wasn't such a, a scaredy cat of David, I would have never made this command. And so, here's this warrior running back. This messenger is running back. Probably a young young boy. And he goes, why did, why did Joab just announce Uriah's death? I don't understand. I mean, he's a man of integrity, but he wasn't the best soldier out there. Maybe David had a special relationship with Uriah. Yeah, you better believe he did. And then verse 23, and the messenger said to David, hey, David, I got a message for you. David jumped up right quick. The men prevailed against us and came out against us in the field, but we pressed them as far as the entrances to the gate. You see, what was happening was when Joab gave this command, the Ammonites were laying down in the field. Joab's men knew where they were. You got to think about it this way. So here's the men. They're all in the field. The city walls are this back wall right here. The city walls has archers all above them. 
So here's a group of men laid in the field and here comes Joab uh, and his men. He's given this order to go attack these. They jump up out of the field and they begin to fight. And the strong, these men were so strong that the Bible says they pushed these, these Ammonites all the way back to their city walls. Now, David knew, Joab knew, this was a terrible military move. I just cannot get over Joab's heart, what he was thinking when he watched his friends get killed and he gave the order. Verse 24. Also the archers, they shot at your servants from the wall. So some of the king's servants died and your servant Uriah the Hittite also died. So he's just given the message. This was, this was all the poor part of the leadership. You think, what's wrong with attacking the Ammonites? Here's the problem with that. When they fought them in this field, there's a point where Joab, they were, they were brilliant military leaders. He knew how far the archers would shoot and they would only push them to a certain point and that's as far as they would go because that's as far as the archers would shoot. But as they kept pushing in, Joab's going, go, go, go. And into the valley of death, they rode. And then he says, and some of your servants died, but when... Then Uriah died. What do you think, David? I want you to sit here and David's trying to cover his sin. And he's going, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Yep, the archer, okay, yeah, yeah. And Uriah died. Oh, man. Inside, what do you think he was doing? He was rejoicing. This is where David is at in his life. He's rejoicing over the murder of Uriah. Verse 25, then David said to the messenger, this is what you shall say to Joab. Do not let this thing displease you for the sword devours one as well as the other. Fight with determination against the city, overthrow it and thereby encourage him. Hmm. This is nothing. As you read this and you study this, it's nothing but smoke and mirrors between Joab and David. That's all it is. Trying to cover up this servant's eyes. We don't want this messenger to tell anything what's going on. Oh, young man, it's okay. Don't, don't be sad. Tell Joab that it's all right. Tell Joab that I'm not angry at him one bit. You just make sure you tell him that, son. And inside, David is bubbling with excitement that Uriah is dead. But then he says this. The sword devours one as well as another. Let me tell you in the English language what this means. When he says, tell him this, that you shall say to Joab, don't let this thing displease you for the sword devours one as well as the other. Ready? Oh, well, that's battle. That's what it says. Oh, well, that's life. How many, how many of you ever said that before? Oh, well, that's life. That's life. You got to deal with it. That's what David just told the messenger. He said, you tell Joab, oh, well, that's life. That's life that Uriah died. 
Oh, that's just life that these other soldiers died. That's just life that all these widows, we have widows now. That's just life that all these kids have no dads now. That's just life. Listen to the coldness in this man. This is where he is at in his life. He'll do anything to cover up what he had done. And now here's the crazy thing. He's considered a man after God's own heart, right? I, I thought about this. If David's attitude is, oh, well, that's life. How about the people in the world right now and how mean they are, how they really do not care about nothing but themselves. But then he says, encourage him. Why does he say that? He says this because he wants Joab to know, good job, buddy. Way to obey the order. By the way, the curse is off. Forgetting all about the whole Abner thing. Because if I held you to Abner thing, you'd have to hold me to the Uriah thing. The curse is off. You tell, you tell Joab, messenger, attaboy. Attaboy. Good job. Good job for killing Uriah. Good job for slaying some of the most strongest men that we had. You tell him, good job. And then you tell him to keep going. Wow. This is the man right now. This is how far he is away from the Lord. This is the same man that would not walk into battle unless he got on his hands and knees and he prayed and asked the Lord, is it okay? From, from what God had promised him through the prophet of Nathan. And he says there's going to be a kingly line. And it will be for eternity. Just a couple chapters ago. Just six months later. He is now murdering people and saying attaboy. That's life. How long does it take for somebody to walk away from the Lord? How quickly does it take when we have everything or we, we, we don't spend this time with God. How long does it take for us to walk away from the Lord? Not very long, does it? Verse 26. When Uriah's wife heard that her husband Uriah was dead, she mourned. I thought about this. I thought about. When, when Uriah never came home to be with his wife, I told you this on Sunday night. Wives, how many of you would have been upset if your husband would have been home from war and he never showed up at the house just to say, hey, hello, how are you doing? How's the kids? But when she she didn't even know necessarily that he had been there, maybe not until after he was gone. There's part of me that thinks, too, did she want to see him after look him in the face? Did she really want to look him in the eye and say, I've been with David. Did she want to see him? But here's the thing. She never, what was the morning? The morning was over his death, but I think it's something greater. She never had an opportunity to say, forgive me. She never had an opportunity to say, I need your forgiveness. You know what? As hard as it is to see some people say it's not, I don't want to tell them I'm sorry. I don't want to tell them what I did because it will hurt them too bad. The ultimate one who's going to keep on with the hurt is yourself and holding this in. 
It's time to take care of things because you do not know when you'll ever get to see them again. Take care of the forgiveness. Take care of the hurt. Get it out in the open and take care of it. When she was mourning, she was not mourning just the death of her husband. She was mourning the sin that she carried on to. Now, I want you to think about this. How long did Bathsheba hold on to this hurt for the rest of her life? Because it was done. There was no going back. There was no standing before Uriah and saying, Uriah, I need your forgiveness. This is what I've done. She held on that forever and ever and ever. When it says she mourned her husband, I want you to I want you to think about the screams. I want you to think about the screams when somebody said, uh, Bathsheba, Bathsheba, I got some bad news. I want you to think about the screams. If you've ever been in a situation where tragedy was revealed, we have firemen in here, we have nurses in here and doctors. And if you've ever been in those situations where you have to tell the family that their son has been killed in a car wreck or their daughter's been killed in a car wreck or they're, they're, they, somebody just had a, a massive heart attack, you'll never get those screams out of your mind. Will you, Kendall? I can hear Bathsheba screaming like I've heard other people scream that I've told this to. All this was fun until now. All this was going to be a big cover-up until now. And now all of this, this little bit of pleasure wasn't worth it. Verse 27, when the time of mourning was over, David sent his servants and brought her to his house and she became his wife and she bore him a son, but the thing that David had done was evil in the sight of the Lord. I think your notes got cut off at the end. I just noticed it a while ago. The Bible says when the morning was over. Question I have. David goes to Bathsheba and says, you good now? Remember, this is still the attitude of David. We're in the clear. Hey, suck it up, buttercup. How many days of mourning was it appropriate? Well, Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 8, a lot of people use this verse and when they're talking about grief and mourning. When they mourned, Israel mourned over uh, Moses' body, they mourned for 30 days. I have literally heard people say, you should only mourn for 30 days. You should only grieve for 30 days because that's what the Bible says. Please don't listen to that advice. Israel mourned for 30 days, then they got up. It doesn't, didn't mean that people were still not grieving inside, but they moved on. They started progressing further. There are some Jewish traditions, and now this is not a scriptural, this is just Jewish traditions. There's some women who are allowed to mourn over their husbands for two years. Here's the thing. I have no idea how long David waited, but I can tell you this, he probably didn't wait that long. He was such in a state and his heart was such in a state where David was about David at this point. And the Bible says this, we, we close with this and God said it was evil in the, his sight 
Remember what I told you Wednesday night? God does not cause these things, but he did allow these things. God did not cause David to sleep with Bathsheba and Bathsheba to sleep with David. God did not cause the death of Uriah and all of these mighty soldiers. God did not cause all of these things, but God did allow these things. But what God was observing was not only David's actions. God is observing the, the intent of David's heart at this point. And this is evil in God's sight. And I want to tell you this. God speaks come Sunday night. And he speaks through the, through the second time, through the Nathan, through prophet to Nathan. And do not miss Sunday night because you're going, we're going to open up a vast amount of scriptures, New Testament, Old. And we're going to tie all these together to what, how all of these things come together. But now, can you imagine? There's a bullseye. This kind of scares me, just to be honest with you a little bit. There's a bullseye. And it's not, well, Satan's got a bullseye on me. God's got a bullseye on David. Because there's no fear of the Lord from David. And God is angry. God, I, I, this is a hard chapter to see a man. I'm thankful for your mercy. I'm thankful you're from compassion, God. And I'm thankful we're going to get to that. But this is one of the lowest points we see in David's life and what he had done. And God, he did not only pay for this at this point, he will pay for this for the rest of his life. Now, God, I ask that you would let us take notice and learn that it doesn't take long to walk away from you. And when we walk away from you, our life vastly changes for the worst. Lord, let us fear this. Let us have a reverence for this. Let us fear you. But also, if we are the Joabs, where we have a fear of man greater than we have a fear of you, that we're going to do things and obey orders that we know that's not right. I pray we'd stand for what is right in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. God bless you. See us on Sunday. Don't forget about our, our child and baby dedication. God bless you.